Hello, and welcome back to Kessel Run Relay, a Star Wars podcast. Our episodes drop at the beginning of each week, and you can follow us on social media. Our links will be in the description. This week, we'll be discussing and reviewing Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher, but before we get to that, we'd like to introduce ourselves. So starting off with me, my name is Hayden. I use she, her pronouns. You can find me on Twitter at MCUYTD, also on Instagram as MCUYTD, and on TikTok as Taika.YTD. And my brainworm of the week is Ethan Sachs writing in Shirtless Valance in Bounty Hunters number 25, specifically for Valance Nation. I'm so shocked this is your brain word of the week. I could have never seen this coming. My second one was Ethan Sachs writing in the rescue scene in Bounty Hunters 24 for Balance Nation. But yeah, it was very much on my mind for the rest of the week. (laughs) So Emily, would you like to introduce yourself next? Hi, I'm Emily. My pronouns are she, her. You can find me on TikTok at StardustM and on Instagram and Twitter at underscore StardustM. My brain worm of the week is Jin Urso and her new friend, Saw Guerrera from uh, Catalyst. She wanted him to live with them on the moon. <laughs> I'm going to cry myself to sleep. <laughs> Uh, Liv? Um, Hi, I'm Liv. I use she, her pronouns. Um, You can find me on all social media at Olivia Madala. And much like Hayden, my brainworm of the week is also shirtless balance. (laughs) But not even like like the the wholesome fact of like, oh, Ethan put that in for us. No, just straight up shirtless balance. (laughs) The vitties. The vitties. The boobies. I was once again say, I thought this man was dead. The way that people me were too. reacting to me. this panel, I was like, oh, he's dead or he's yeah. seriously injured again. No, All his skin it was, is gone. No, it's just titties. It was so fun that entire day. But also, I felt so bad for Hay because we're all like, no, hey, it's going to be fine. We promise. We I don't promise. trust anyone. I don't trust and, any of you. <laughs> They were all like Nova and Jay and all them. They were like instigating. And I was like, Hayden, I promise. I promise it's going to be fine. And then, yeah. Titties. And we got boobs. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... We today are doing an episode entirely on Adam Christopher's Shadow of the Sith. Uh, This came out, I think, June 28th, whatever the last Tuesday of June was. And it is a novel, obviously, set in the sequel trilogy about, I think, 10 years? Not sequel trilogy. Well, like pre-sequel trilogy, that kind of- New Republic. New Republic era. Um, about 10 years before Force Awakens, if I remember correct, maybe 13 years, sometime around there. Uh, Ray is... She's is six she's and she's six. 19 in Force Awakens. Yeah, so, so that's 13. 13 years. Uh, this novel follows Luke Skywalker and Lando Calrissian as they search for the family of Ray Skywalker. And the family, consisting of Dathan and Miramir, are being hunted by former Jedi hunter Ochi of Bestoon. Mm. Um, the I 
if we're getting into our thoughts or like a brief review of the book, yeah. I absolutely loved this book. It took me three weeks to get through. I finished it literally at 8.30 this morning. It is my favorite Star Wars book. My previous favorite Star Wars book was Resistance Reborn, which we've talked about. The No Way Home of Star Wars. The No Way Home of Star Wars. Um, We've talked about it a little on this podcast, but I may need to reread this because as of right now, this is my favorite Star Wars book I've ever read. Really? Um, Yeah. I, for me, it's such a good look at, I'm also a big Lando person. He's like one of my top non-Force sensitive characters. Um. I love Lando. I've read a lot of his um, his stuff in the comics is really good, both the Lando miniseries and the Double or Nothing miniseries, as well as his role in the Star Wars 2020 ongoing series that's going on right now by Charles Soule. Um, we really don't see like a lot of Lando's, I don't want to say his personality in the movies, but we do get a lot of nuance. I feel like it's in- his struggles more. We see a lot yeah. of his personality, but not yeah. so much like his exactly character, I guess. I think it's his that inner way. Mm-hmm. And I am really glad that we got to read this and learn just more about his interior, his interior thoughts. Um, but yeah, basically loved this book. Took me a while to get through just because I'm an adult and I have a life, but I am so glad that I did because it is it is so good. So I will shift it to Emily. I also really enjoyed this book. I think I ended up settling on like four to five stars for this. Um, so higher uh, for a Star Wars novel, for sure. Not quite favorites territory, but very good, very enjoyable. Um, I was really mostly excited not only for Lando because I I did love seeing this and I thought this was a great case of giving his character a lot of nuance and uh really building the bridge between where we see him in Return of the Jedi and where we see him in the Rise of Skywalker um I also know that or last shot falls into there but it's before this book because that's like really uh young Ben Solo but I also really loved seeing Ray's parents in this. Um, I think this did a really fantastic job of just building them out as characters and really making it clear why they chose to do what they did, um, why they chose to leave her on Tatooine. And the fact that like it wasn't even like an abandonment they meant to come back for her. Uh, they just literally got killed. <laughs> um, and I appreciate that. I also loved what this said about you know, I think this really continued the family is stronger than blood kind of message um, that, you know, Dathan is this like clone of Palpatine who is so evil, but like he overcomes this and has such love for not only his wife, but his child and how he is doing for Ray what someone like Palpatine would never do for him as family um his main goal is to protect them is to make them feel loved and I think that also adds really beautifully to Ray's character and like her want for family that like that comes from the fact that she was raised by two people who who genuinely loved her and now we see her get the chance to find other people who genuinely love her and that she can love as well so I really loved that Liv 
I I like this book as well. Um, it, I'm not very, I wasn't very fast at reading it just because I think I'm used to where sorry, <laughs> I'm used to reading <laughs> YA books. Mm-hmm. So, being, so being thrown into an adult book, I'm like, maybe I'm not an adult. <laughs> but I, I, do, I did like it. Um, I would give it probably like a three and a half or four out of five stars. Um, I, I loved all the Lando parts as well. I loved getting to see Ochi again outside of comics doing his, <laughs> his silly little shenanigans even though he he's kind of I I don't like him as much anymore because he's an <laughs> asshole to Dio he's no so asshole reason. asshole is an understatement yeah I'll get into it I want to oh <laughs> oh it's like there is no reason there's no reason he had to be that mean to Dio but no anyways um, I loved I loved all the Lando parts. Like I said, um, I also am a Lando enjoyer. Um, so seeing him be kind of fleshed out, and not just that charismatic character that he portrays himself as, um, I really like that. I loved learning more about Ray's family, even if it's very painful. <laughs> God, but yeah. <sighs> Just why did they have to make them so lovable and then be like, I know. Remember they die though? <laughs> Just absolutely obliterated. <laughs> I will say this book, it did feel a lot slower paced than oh, a lot of even the other Star Wars books, even adult books that I've read. Okay. Um it definitely takes a while to get into like uh-huh. Like the first the 50 plot. pages are mostly like introductions and exposition. And yeah. then after and it takes chapter... longer than I thought for Luke and Lando to end up actually yeah. like coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we should all before we get into like more character-based stuff, what was your favorite moment? Um mine uh <laughs> i actually mm, suddenly i cannot remember a single thing that happened in this book this <laughs> always happens it happened with the quotes and it's happening now don't fall off the chair again <laughs> <laughs> i i hope i won't because that was embarrassing uh but i think I think one of my favorite parts, at the very least, has to be Luke urging Kiza to turn away from the dark side, leave the mask of, God, what was his name? The Sith Lord, Exum, Exum Panchard, and urging her to leave Exum Panchard behind and take his hand because it's the right thing to do. No matter what she's done, the atrocities she's committed, taking his hand would be the first step in the right direction and she doesn't and she winds up getting a droid arm um but i think that is i really loved luke's character throughout this book and i'll talk about it more when we get to luke's segment of our character-based um discussions but i have been feeling a little bit of luke overload to be completely honest but the way definitely agree (laughs) definitely agree (laughs) We haven't seen, like, Luke as a Jedi Master. We got, like, the point two seconds in the Book of Boba Fett, which I 
no felt comment. <laughs> so it's it's, it's hard this to place appreciate. is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but it's harder to appreciate that content when it feels like it shouldn't belong. It was shoehorned yeah. in there for views, but anyways, anyways we'll discuss that. We we'll digress. That. <laughs> we digress. Um, but here we get to see Luke be a Jedi Master, and we get to see how he perceives the Force and how his legacy and how the Skywalker name has shaped how he functions as a Jedi Master. And I I really loved that aspect, but that moment was just like, I think the epitome of Luke's character in this book is that he always, no matter, regardless of the things Keys has done, he still tries to do the right thing and help her make the right choice. And it was her choice to still wear the mask of eggs and pan shard and yeah i think that besides the final battle on that one diamond planet i think that was my favorite part is the the whole sequence in the the separatist lucre hulk which is that big ship that they use so emily what was your favorite moment i think looking through my tabs uh one of my favorite moments was this quote which is um ray she was a wonder she was magic she was love and she was light i have that down too i am obsessed with that quote once again i feel like it is a just perfect summer uh, summarization of ray's character and why she is like such a perfect like protagonist um she is this like light for all of the galaxy she is this wonder because she is this girl who you know is uh left on Jakku and she spent so many years just wanting for a family but also so scared to leave and then when she does leave not only does she find a family but she like literally saves the entire galaxy um and I think that's so beautiful and I also love the emphasis on the light that like even once again though she's coming out of like Dathan who is you know this clone of Palpatine who is all this kind of darkness and evil that she can still be so good and so pure I I I just love it I love it so much and I love that in that quote it's so clear how much love that Dathan in particular has for his daughter um and I just love yeah I love that I love how you see this man who was like raised with no love or affection be so loving and affectionate with his wife and with his daughter <laughs> he's such he, I, he's, I loved Dathan Dathan is now. also <laughs> yeah Dathan was also such a highlight I don't think I expected to like him as much but oh he was so fantastic yeah like, yeah my my favorite moment is is similar it was the flashback to um when Dathan started working on Hypercarn and he's talking about like oh. how he like fell in love with Mira Mira and I'm like oh that flashback God. stabbed me in the chest yeah yeah God, that just oh. and the other thing is though they keep talking about Ray's grandma and I can't help being like that means that Ray could still have family that are like biological yeah. family. Like I, she has her family. She has the Skywalker. She has Finn and Poe, but that means that it's in like a post rise of Skywalker story. Ray could potentially find her grand, 
<laughs> yeah I guess it would be her great grandma because it's uh but like find her great grandma and like yeah. be able to like learn about her mom and I think that'd be so beautiful god there, there's a tear coming out of my eye right now I know but all I, I can think-, think about too is like her is like the grandma being like oh my god you look just like her or something and she wears her hair the same way as her with the three buns do you think that do you think that the grandma would have it the three buns too can you imagine oh it's like it's like alderaan has the braids that planet it's like the buns are sort of the traditional hairstyle i cannot oh my god God. i need it <laughs> I have rendered this podcast in shambles. <laughs> oh my god. Because now all I think about too is how, like, Ray having her buns now is, like, always a tribute. That, like, to her yeah, she always has that connection. Because, like, and it just makes it even better in The Rise of Skywalker where she's wearing the white as this yeah. tribute to her, her Jedi master and then the buns as this connection. And to then her the mother. quote you said, like, she is light, she is life, she is all that is good. Like, man our right episode is gonna be so (laughs) especially after this oh god (laughs) so i feel like because we've already started talking a little bit about ray we should start off our character segment with dathan miramir and ray Mm -hmm. so you have already talked about a little bit about dathan and how much love he has for his family. And another thing I really number appreciate- Number one male wife. Yes. For <laughs> real. Like, no, not even joking. That man is the number one male wife I have ever read in a Star Wars novel. Or Star Wars biggest anything. In Star Wars. He is the <laughs> biggest <laughs> simp for Miramir. And it, it's, it's adorable. Like Their life said- is, like, in danger. And he'll be like, but she's so pretty. She's so cool. <laughs> and she can do anything. Like, on the the flashback where they're talking about falling in love on Hypercarn and the way that Miramir is an agrodroid technician. And, um, well, no, both of them are agrodroid technicians, but Miramir is actually one because Nathan lied. <laughs> He just boy bossed his way right into he her really life. Did. And you know what? Good for him. <laughs> we Every love girl that. boss needs her boy boss. <laughs> but the way they talk about working inside the droid together and like, is there a moment where their hands touch or something when they're both inside the droid? I can't remember. No, I'm trying to remember where the scene was. But the scene, the scene itself where Dathan is like working up the courage to ask her to go to, to lunch with him. And then Miramir like cuts him off and is like, I want to take you to have lunch and meet my grandma. <laughs> and then the way that they described it as them just meeting by chance because Miramir decided to take the long way. Oh, they're so, they're so adorable. Also, Miramir is so cool like she's so capable and so on top of it and I always really loved that in relationships especially in Star Wars um because I know that like it's always hard because like sometimes I feel like in the past we've seen women's personalities get really lost in relationships in Star Wars so the fact that they have her 
Yeah. <laughs> Being so capable and, you know, often contributing more even than Dathan to them escaping, to them moving, but also that there's like, I also love that there's no tension between them. They're like, no, we are in this together. I did. You didn't drag me into this. I went into this. I with chose you. I knew to what do I, it with you. I chose this and I chose you and our daughter and we will be together until the end. And yeah, I love that. I also love that. I know that there was some like stuff on Twitter where people were like, oh, of course, like Ray is good at piloting because her mom's good at piloting and that's the excuse. But to me, it felt more like this connection that like, oh, you know, she can do all this stuff. And it's this almost like connection that Ray then has to her mother that she exactly. is a pilot and she's a scavenger mm-hmm. and she can do all this stuff. Like, I really like that. It, it felt similar to me. Um, to like Han being super interested in ships because his dad worked at the shipyard. Like that's what Mm -hmm. that reminded me of. I really loved that connection. Um, And once again, I think, I think it's because it adds so much to like, to Ray's character. She is her own character, but you can see like how people like, you know, Han and Luke and Leia have an impact on her. And now through this, I think we really see how even at that young age, like Dathan and um, her mother, I always don't know how to say her name, have this impact on her and this continued impact on her, even if she can't remember them, like she carries them in her heart. Mm -hmm. Oh God. I haven't seen anything about the whole, oh, Ray can pilot ships because her mom can discourse, thankfully. But, like, doesn't that make it all the more better? Like, that's a trait she picked up from her mother. I didn't think it was, like, an excuse so much it was was just, like, a fun... That's what I say. I didn't think it was, like, a weird, like, they're trying to, like, brush it off. Yeah, so much as it it was, like, a cute connection. (laughs) It's, It's, like, passed down through her family, like... Miramir says her grandmother works on, I think she's a droid repairman. Yeah. And then Miramir works on agri-droids and Ray is able to work on droids as well as she's a scavenger, as well as she's a pilot, just like her mom. But anyways, I wonder why people have a problem with it. It's a mystery. Who knows? <laughs> I feel like I haven't talked enough about little Ray in this because she is so loved by her parents and she just has so much love to give them and she was so cute in this book she was adorable and she was just so helpful and she was willing to do whatever whatever her parents told her because even though she didn't know it was for her safety she it was for her safety and I think the love and caring environment that Dathan and Miramir Miramir instilled in her really shines through even throughout her time on Jakku she's always willing to help she she originally doesn't want to help BB-8 but finally she says come on she fixes his antenna and it it just it, it you can see how her character got to the way that it was in The Force Awakens, just in this book alone, nothing else, simply in this book alone, you can tell exactly how she is in The Force Awakens. Because if we're if we're talking about that moment with Rey and BB-8, we can see like the kind of learned, kind of shelteredness 
that working on Jakku as a scavenger for Uncarplet has kind of instilled on her. But then we start to see the nurturing care of her mother and father when she finally lets BB-8 in and she lets her stay with him. And then I also want to bring up the moment with Uncarplet when he offers all of those um the portions for BB-8 and she's starving like she's basically she's basically an indentured servant to this man but because she knows or because she finds because she just loves BB-8 and she like likes him from the moment that she picked him up she says no the droid's not for sale I don't know I just this really helped me stand understand this book itself really helped me understand Ray's character more and it makes me appreciate her journey by the time of Rise of Skywalker so much more than I did before yeah and I think the same thing with goes with like her determination that we see very consistently throughout the sequel trilogy like makes me think of how you know you see how determined Dathan and Miramir were to protect her and to protect mm-hmm. their family and to not succumb to you know this darkness that's to not be drawn back in so and like I feel like that works so well once again for her characters like you see not only does she grow this determination from you know like living on Jakku for so many years but also like you can see like it was something that was instilled in her in a young age because you know she's witnessing her parents doing all this stuff for her um and I think that's beautiful I also want to say I love how smart um Miramir is uh the the stealing the beads is was so good I didn't even realize like what she was doing at first and then when she does it because she knows if somebody finds them they'll think that's where they left Ray and they'll think she's like stupid and wanted to have like a little piece of it but she was just doing everything that she could to make sure that they couldn't find Ray it's brilliant I also love that in that last moment she is not fearful she's but she defiant just gives, she just gives that smile to Oshi, just like <sighs> yeah bitch but like I, you <laughs> might you might think you're having the final laugh but you're not gonna find I, my um, daughter i protected my family fuck you <laughs> <laughs> god i'm literally gonna cry <laughs> i read it 8 30 this morning oh god <laughs> what do you think Liv? i Reading this, I I kind of understand why Ray didn't want to leave Jakku. Like, yeah, just, I get that. Her parents loved her so much. Why? Why would they lie to her about coming back? So of course she's gonna believe that they're gonna come back someday, but they didn't because they died to protect her, which makes it so much worse. Side <laughs> and like the. The interludes of Dathan's thoughts being like they'll come back for her or she'll be at Nima outpost where she's safe that (laughs) stab of the heart again (laughs) the line where Miramir was like yeah we can trust Uncarplut I'm like fuck no no you can't the worst I'm like like, I get where you're coming from but no don't (laughs) like I understand they were thinking we can trust him for this short time only and then it's like they did they're not thinking we're gonna leave our daughter for 13 years yeah before someone decides to come on it before some random uh before some random droid first order (laughs) first order stormtrooper polar and all this shit (laughs) (laughs) but we love 
the <laughs> the chaotic found family dynamic. <laughs> Finn, Finn, R.I.P. to Dathan and Mir Mary. Y'all would have loved Finn. <laughs> so true. Oh, just everything about them makes me so sad. No, and... because if you think about it that way, Finn is kind of similar to Dathan. Yeah. They both they both left. We and then if if she's similar to Nathan, think about how Mir Mir is kind of similar to Poe. Cause she was like the one who was kind of on the right track and like helped Dathan like kind of pull in. Oh my god. You have broken my <laughs> Oh and let's not forget that both of his parents were in the rebellion and all they wanted to do was to do good but we're broke, so good broke, <laughs> is the, uh, <laughs> broke is the Han and Leia Finn comparisons woke Dathan and Mir Mir Finn and yes. Poe comparisons oh god we're so good <laughs> anyway on I would like to talk about Luke's arc in this book because it directly just it spits in the face of fanboy headcanons of Luke and I love it so much. He's tender and he's caring while still being a good master and a good Jedi. Like I I I know for a fact that Legends fanboys are like yelling, screaming, crying, throwing up because he would because their perception of Luke would absolutely try to just decimate Kiza in whatever way possible. But instead, like I talked about before, he does the right thing and offers her the chance to change, which is the essence of being a Jedi. You can always be better. You can always look to the light and God. <laughs> There's that quote in the High Republic. I think it's in the Rising Storm where it says like exactly that, like a good Jedi always tries to forgive. Um, mm -hmm. And that, yeah, that really is so symbolic of like Luke in this book is he- The is Elzar man, the Elzar man connection worked all those years later. <laughs> it's so true. It's so good. But like, yeah, that's it is like Luke- understands forgiveness and I mean part of that also goes back to like forgiving his father and how I mean not but like since Anakin is also in this book but like how like I can't help but think he was probably like well you know if my father lived there's no telling like what good that he might have done so if Kiza gets to live she can come with me like mm -hmm. she can do good um I've always really liked that aspect of Luke's character is the fact that he is so forgiving and willing to always look for the good in people and and believe that people can change because even you know he has that brief moment with Kylo but in the end he I he does I think firmly believe that Luke uh that Kylo can change and that he can come back to the light side mm -hmm. and that's also a great setup in this, I feel like a lot of Luke's character in this book is a really great setup for him in The Last it's Jedi, actually. so good. And before we continue talking about Luke's character, I want to say that in the very first Shadow of the Sith excerpt they published, 
they spoiled the fact that Anakin has a cameo, which like, I still don't understand. Like, wouldn't it have been more meaningful if we just didn't know it was coming? But anyways, I digress. Let's keep talking about Luke. <laughs> so again, I loved Luke's characterization in this book. Um, it's a side that we really haven't gotten to see other than the Mando episodes. And he, I don't even, he's just, I think I like this iteration of Luke more than like original trilogy Luke. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but he, again, he's just, I don't, there's no such thing as a perfect Jedi, but he's like the embodiment of all of the Jedi values. Mm. And I, I, I keep going back to that moment with Kiza because even on the the diamond planet and the um the the night side the the mining place he still gives her a chance to change even when she's done all this all this stuff and just basically ruined the lives of so many people and is literally spreading her shadow of darkness around the galaxy she he still believes that she has the ability to change and only when he sees that the mask has completely taken over her body and is using it as a puppet that he knows that she's truly gone and the chance was lost and he carries it with him for the for the rest of his life and i feel like that's also reflected in lando when he he failed to find ray and he they literally mention it in the book they say they both failed to find them they failed to find the family and it's something they'll carry with the with them the rest of their lives so yeah again luke in this book great i i love this interpretation of luke yeah i also think when you're talking about like the you know jedi values how luke mentions even when they're kind of chasing down those like bounty hunters and a couple of them end up dying how he mentions like he doesn't relish in that loss Mm -hmm. of life and yeah that he you know he he doesn't want to take lives and i think that's also so at odds with what you're saying is like some interpretations of luke by fanboys where it's like he should be this like powerful thing just like uh, like slaying everyone down or like that one fan art where he's holding up kylo's decapitated head it's like no it's such a misunderstanding not only of yeah not only of the jedi but of luke's character as a whole are you kidding never i it's so clear but like i don't think it's like luke never relished in harm no in causing people harm and i definitely think that like the more he you know becomes a jedi the more uh this matters to him and why he was never going to kill kylo because he believes in life and he believes that people can come back to the light um and i also really liked speaking of you know ben solo um i liked the little hints of this book that we can kind of see just a little bit of that push that you understand why Kylo was so easily manipulated not easily but why Kylo was open to that manipulation by Snoke because Luke is trying to walk this balance of being a master versus like being his uncle Mm -hmm. and so he's trying to teach him kind of like any other student but of course uh, Ben is trying to be he seems like he wants to be closer to Luke like he wants Mm -hmm. to be that so you can see why that would leave him open to that manipulation because he feels like he's being pushed away when Luke just thinks that that's what 
um, he's doing what is best for him, that that's how, you know, he should be teaching not only Ben, but all of his students. Um, so I really liked that detail of. I think there was like a whole that. chapter on it at the very end. I think it's the yeah, there was a chapter we see Lucan. Yeah, we see it at the beginning and the end and you kind of see him thinking yeah. about it and like kind of that struggle with, you know, Ben as a student um, because he is family, but also because he is, you know, one of the first Jedi. And I think he's one of like, we know because it seems like Grogu leaves the order that he really is like his first and oldest student. Yeah, I um, think it's so there's so much writing on him. It's him yeah. and three others that are the main ones. And then so they, they appear in Rise of Kylo Ren. Jason Sindula, where are you? <laughs> where are as you, you were, As you were talking, I was reminded of the chapter where Luke tries to, he tries to save the, the bounty hunter on the, the land speeder. I think that's the chapter mm-hmm. you were referring to. When yeah, where he, he like drowns. When he's drowning yeah. and he's trying to cut him out of the speeder. Mm-hmm. But he... And he like takes a moment to gather himself after that because he he couldn't save him. And that is also a really nice detail that I think added a lot to Luke's characterization in this book that I really enjoyed. But I think I think I cut Liv off. So sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I guess. Hmm. So the Luke parts weren't my favorite. I'm gonna be real. I will also say this out of the book I liked Luke's character the most or like the most I probably liked Luke's character except for the last yeah. Jedi yeah but I agree like his parts sometimes I was less interested in than oh, like Lando's especially yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I I just think it ties into me not being fond of the Jedi really because it's nothing against Luke like he's great and I love his character <laughs> in this book I just am like eh, okay but <laughs> But I do agree with with everything that you said. I like his characterization. Um, I think he's a great Jedi. He is, he understands it more than, he's learned from the mistakes of of the past, Mm -hmm. I think. And there were a couple times where I thought he was acting a little bit overconfident, but I guess that just works as like a little bit of a foreshadowing to his downfall pretty much. The, the the downfall of his order so mm-hmm. yeah yeah so I started talking a little bit about Lando both in the introduction and just then but let's talk about Lando in this book because I I love that favorite man. or all everyone's favorite, favorite. <laughs> yeah I Lando is very much like Han in that he uses this kind of suave, swagger, smuggler personality as as a shell, and he never really lets anyone besides his close friends and family see the person that he really is inside. And I loved having the chapters from the point of view of Lando because we got to see that side of him, and we got to see this vulnerable side of him who's still mourning the the loss of his child, mm-hmm. even though it's not his fault. Because if I remember correctly, wasn't she taken by the First Order or something? I think that's his theory. Oh, okay. Because, like, they don't know about the First Order yet, really. Oh. So he just knows that there's been rumors of other kids being kidnapped. And originally, remember, that's why he was so interested in Ray because he thought that maybe it was that's connected right. to his yeah. daughter, which, like, mm-hmm. in a sense, it is. Uh, yeah. Not the exact same thing, but broadly <laughs> speaking, 
Yes. Uh, yeah. But I didn't realize how young his daughter was when she was taken. Was like two, when he talked about I losing, think. but two years old, which I guess makes sense because like baby. And that um that dream he had when they had oh. both gotten ice cream and she was ruining that his capes, I, but he didn't care. <laughs> also, apparently his child is part Twilight. Huh? Yeah, because yes, this is from Chris Star Wars Larry, number one Lando fan. Has <laughs> because uh, I was I was texting him when I was asking questions, and he said that his the mother is part twilight uh there i think it might be last shot um she's in it um so they're and they're and it's the same woman so their their child is part twilight i guess we don't know what she looks like if it's we never really get a description so i i don't know if she looks like jason syndula or like cut laquane's kids (laughs) i don't know i hope she doesn't (laughs) <laughs> I, I love like we could do a little twist where it's just like uh she just has like blue hair so true so she just her. looks like lando but then like she is like i love or like you know like the cute interpret like cosplay interpretations of hera where it's like they have yeah. like green hair and then a little bit of like green brush yeah. would love that that's blue adorable. hair a little bit of like instead of like you know the red in her cheek she just has a little bit of like blue that's cute blue i like that you let's so not true. make an ugly <laughs> I look like live action sorry Jason Sindula but no I as no, you were saying that I realized no I'm terrified for live action Jason don't even think talk he... about it I really I I do firmly believe that Jason Sindula was the one uh piloting the ghost in Rise, in Rise of Skywalker? Skywalker? It would make sense. Because he wouldn't... I mean, he'd be only a little bit older than Kylo. Yeah. He'd only be in his, like, least. 30s. And Ezra would... Uh, and I think Ezra might potentially be on it, because Ezra would only be as old as Luke and Leia. Mm-hmm. True. That's, that's a whole separate. <laughs> <laughs> I think in Alphabet Squadron, Jason is, like... I think that takes place a year after... Uh, Return of the Jedi because I think Battle of Jakku's five Aby. Why? I think it's directly. It's like a year after. Yeah. I think the and Battle of Endor. I think. Okay, so yeah, I think he does get mentioned in that book once, maybe twice. I'm not sure about the whole trilogy. I read it a little bit ago, so I don't remember. But I do know he definitely gets like concrete mention in there. Um, but yeah, <laughs> back to Lando. <laughs> um sorry we're just this is our our twilight child can i (laughs) it's it's the twilight child tangent (laughs) but just the way that he cares so deeply for kadara and you can truly see the desperation in him like there's a line i think towards the end of the book where he said this is desperate this is stupid but it's 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 what it's what needed to be done oh no he's talking about his personalities like in the as a smuggler he was like whatever gets it done and then as an alliance general he was like the desperate choice gets it done and then he's talking about just like himself as a man as disconnected from those two identities just i i freaking love lando in this book he uh, just 
he <laughs> that's like really all like i i probably have more to say but that's all i can think of right now because the way that he uses the the suave gambler as as a shield again so he doesn't have to think about the fact that he failed his daughter which like he didn't mm-hmm. it, but it's so good adam christopher mwah, chef's kiss king <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, I thought this was so. Oh no, you Liv, go. you go. No, you go. You go. You go. It, it's literally nothing. I was just gonna say, I hope someone cosplays the outfit that he wears in this book because I cannot <gasps> yeah. stop thinking about it. Yes, like, in my mind, <sighs> it just looks so good. This is. Oh, my thing was when I tweeted out, I tweeted out, "Oh, Adam Christopher has read the solo novelization because when he describes Lando taking his shower." It is so reminiscent <laughs> of Lando describing all of his hair products in the solo novelization. And I was like, yes, this man understands Lando Calrissian. He did his cultures. freaking homework with this book. Yep. We will get into that later, but he did his <laughs> goddamn homework. Like, yeah. wow, I was impressed. Yeah. And like this, once again, I felt like this added so much nuance and really got to like, beyond Lando as just like this fun almost comic relief character um what I feel like so many people even though like in Empire Strikes Back if you really think about his character he's having to make some tough decisions uh and he has always been I think way deeper than a lot of people give him credit for Mm -hmm. however I think this novel did it so beautifully seeing this struggle that he has as he's trying to balance you know like finding his daughter and also just kind of like figuring out like what his life is now and that the moment you know that sticks out to me is like he's not going to stop looking for it and I that just adds so much to them meeting on oh, Pisana Pisana yeah. like the fact and the fact that neither of them in that moment know no like Lando other. Lando doesn't know that this was the 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 daughter that the kid that he was looking for and ray doesn't know that he is the one that helped her is the one that helped her and the one that if there is any person he was continuing to like look out for her like he Mm -hmm. she thought no one in the galaxy cared for him but turns out like this whole time she has had lando who did care about her and like hoped that she was safe I love that I also loved I can't remember if it was from Luke or Lando's point of view but one of them talks about how like you know they've grown apart um yeah I think it was Lando and how he's kind of grown apart too with like Han and and um and Leia but how like it it, I always love about Lando because he's always so supportive of his friends like I remember in Bloodlines it talked about how after the information about Vader came out he was he called Leia and was like I got you girl like (laughs) I'm not worried about it love you and how in this book he's so supportive of Luke and he he misses Luke and he misses his friends um and I loved that I also think it's really interesting to look out how to look at how both him and Han have lost children in a very similar way even because in a way they both lost it to the first order um and how I think that adds a lot when you look at their characters that like they've they are kind of similar you know they're these like 
Hay was saying, these swap pilots who hide behind their their cockiness and their personality when really deep down they're kind of lonely people who are who are just looking for family and often when they find family it it ends up getting taken away from them because we remember so well Lando lost L3 that was his one person that was you know following him and then he lost his daughter and Han lost Kira and then he lost Ben and that just it's heartbreaking and it makes me think that you know I know we don't know this for sure but it feels like you know Lando was probably one of the first people who called Han after hearing about Ben and was there to comfort him because he understands what it's like and Lando also understands what it's like to never give up so I feel like too when he heard what happened to Han that like he's like oh I would have done that for my he Lando would have done the same thing for his daughter in an instant Mm -hmm. Um, and I also, I think that adds to their relationship and their friendship that like, you know, they're going through these similar paths and they're so similar. And in that way, they can kind of always be there for each other. Um, yeah, I just, Lando really shined in this book. Yeah. I agreed a hundred percent. Like everyone was making this, go ahead. (laughs) I was just going to say there's the moment, um, when they were on, what is polar polar yeah and they were under attack and the droid whose name i cannot remember (laughs) but she's just like mowing down those droids and he's like oh damn (laughs) they didn't say it on the page but he's obviously thinking about l3 yeah yeah (laughs) made me sad (laughs) yeah Lando everyone was making this like the Luke show this was the Lando show I don't know what book you guys read but this was Lando's book this This highlighted and once again this highlighted his intelligence again like his ability to do the pieces with Ochi like how constantly he's he's good at thinking on his feet in these situations like yeah no shit the rebellion made this man a general makes a lot more sense than Han Solo being a general no offense Han love you very much (laughs) no that man is an idiot (laughs) I love you so much I don't think that you would have been promoted had more people been alive (laughs) what you said and how like intelligent he is reminds me of I think issue three or four of Star Wars 2020 when the Empire has taken over Bespin because this is set directly after Empire Strikes Back and he devises a plan to like reverse engineer the Tabana processing plants to like only emit the toxins just because the Empire messed with this shit and that is a moment that that's a Lando moment right there and you definitely see it shine in this book. So again, I think, I think really after this, my like ideal Lando show, which should be the Calrissian Chronicles. Also this book, shout out the Calrissian Chronicles. Yeah. We love, I did cry. we love a man who appreciates <laughs> Solo. Thank you, Adam Christopher. Good God. Um, but that I would really love the Lando show to basically split between young Lando as Donald Glover on these fun adventures with L3 and current Lando with uh, Jonna 
potentially trying to still find his daughter um and that is the only format reunited with him i would love that that i like the i like that because it manages to incorporate both of the characters and i think it's a really fun way to let both billy d and uh donald glover shine and also give lando's character when he's at very uh two different points in his life shine you know having exactly. this this lando in the clone wars or in i guess clone wars would be with l3 but even um in the beginning like even after l3 in this like age of the rebellion and age of the empire and then post rise of skywalker where he's an old man just still trying to find his daughter just let give me everything lando like i never realized how much i loved lando until like earlier this year and maybe even last year when i was reading the lando miniseries for the first time but like he's freaking awesome he's he's just such a great character and he gets like let's be honest he gets sidelined in the original trilogy in favor of han and leia because like that's their that's their movie but like in the stories that where he's the main character he really really shines and i appreciate that so much and i appreciate this book so much for doing that for him mm-hmm. so moving into the antagonist of this series let's talk about kiza who is a very complicated and i think interesting villain live connoisseur of once evil woman would you like to <laughs> <laughs> I I thought she was super interesting. Um, it was towards the beginning of the book, I think, where it was that whole scene where she's like contemplating if she wants to even wear the mask anymore. And she's I thinking, love like, that. I love well, that chapter. I, I, could, I could saw it in half in one second, but then she just doesn't. And uh, it's because she you just you can tell that she's conflicted but the power of the mask is too much for her to resist. And I just, I think that's very interesting. And I would love to know more about the other acolytes of the beyond. I think they're an aftermath. My friend was talking to me about them. He was introduced in aftermath, I know for sure. Uh, I think in an interlude. Yeah, like it tells her backstory. I think it tells like the story that like, uh, Comat kind of goes over okay. I think because I just that whole concept is very interesting to me and I hope they actually talk well I mean there's the show the acolyte, the acolyte so which I that's what I thought that. yeah <laughs> I think it's set in the high republic though mm-hmm. so maybe it's about someone else wearing or the mask like after the high republic it's yeah, like it's somewhere like right in the end. end yeah, yeah. Pre-prequels, for sure. Yeah, pre-pre-prequels. <laughs> I just, I thought that was super interesting, and Kisa is a very compelling villain, I think. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she made me sad. This moment was the, for a moment, she remembered her name for a moment she wanted to run. Yeah. That it kept I, making I me sad when mm-hmm. she was talking about you know how she was so lost basically that she didn't even know herself anymore but then she'd have these moments of like consciousness and she would be scared and she didn't want it doesn't seem like she wanted to do it and mm-hmm. 
makes me so so sad it kind of reminded me this is very specific but like the purple man in jessica jones yeah like almost like that where you have this like thing that can just kind of control you and consume you and you don't really have a choice in it um there's some poignant commentary in there about you know uh powerful men and and women uh and the positions that they put them in when and feeling like they don't have a choice to resist um so but by far the best season of jessica jones hands down it's so a legitimate, legitimately scary villain. And no. also that's why like the Sith in the mass, like part of the reason he felt like, you know, has that extra level of scary. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. you know, when you consider that commentary, it's like, oh yeah, it's fucking yeah. Cool, terrifying. <laughs> like it's a big concept that when you boil it down, it is, it's one of those, yeah, like Star Wars has these big concepts that seem so uh, far in distance cause they're, have all these levels that make it like outer spacey but when you boil it down it is it, ultimately an issue of control just, yeah and it's so um you know it's something that we see in our everyday world so often yeah not, i really not, liked oh go ahead not, it's like not the sith controlling mass but powerful men taking advantage of young women who mm-hmm. are defenseless against them agreed I also think Kiza was a really compelling villain. And we've already talked about her just a little bit. I think when we were talking about Luke, but she is just so beautifully complicated. And even though she's only been in like two projects max, she, her development, oh, just even over the course of this book to truly falling under the, under the control of Eggs and Pan Shard was really, it was, it was really nice. Well, not nice in like the, <laughs> falling victim to a freaking insane crime ruler but seeing how male control can really twist and torment a person and ultimately and ultimately break them it's it's so heartbreaking and seeing that she really still did want to like you said in those moments when she was conscious and she like she realized that she forgot her name she wanted to run but she physically couldn't Mm -hmm. or like and in the end when she's it's she's literally just being used as a puppet she is that was i think that was the that was one of the most disgusting yeah because like they describe also this this sith word was like yeah like he was disgusting like it was like to the point where like I know that like we talked about Palpatine but like the crimes that they were describing him doing I was like it was kind of like I was like yeah this is kind of even like pretty dark for like even some of the stuff that we've seen in Star Wars yeah like using the blacksmith's face to meld the the mask into the shape of a face good god and then just like killing everyone in like that village that he can yeah. and talking about they were like he like when he walked through the throne room it was like the blood was like ankle deep or something i was like oh my god. yeah good god <laughs> lift's face was it was a face of terror <laughs> but yeah just i i love i loved this book i loved the villains it's it's just a really solid story like take all the space elements out it is just a really solid story um and speaking of the acolytes of the beyond 
Komat is a former member of the Acolyte of the Beyond who kind of exiled herself to Polar to collect the, well, she exiles herself. Radiation? The radiation particles or something of the decaying Mon Calamari cruiser from the old days of the rebellion. So true. Shout out to the Mon Calamari cruisers. (laughs) Love you guys. R.I.P. So many Mon Calamaris in the original trilogy. (laughs) And Rogue One and uh, The Last Jedi. Truly. (laughs) But Komat is... I, I was so afraid that they were going to kill her off because mm-hmm. she is a truly like redeemed villain. And at the very end, when she pulls out that white lightsaber with the kyber crystal that's been purified, that was like, I, I literally like pumped yes! my fist when I was reading it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And the thought that she, she did it herself. Like that used to be her red lightsaber, but she did it herself. And she, and I think also the action of bleeding and purifying your own kyber crystal is like, so good like just the thought of it is just a really like thought-provoking thought whoa (laughs) big words (laughs) but Komat atoning for her actions and exiling herself to to deal with the pain and hurt that she's caused is something we don't really get to see very often in Star Wars Mm -hmm. and I was really happy to see that they 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 went full send and they gave yeah. us a redeemed character. I I don't know if I mentioned it on here before, but what Komet did is kind of what I hoped they were going to do with Kylo Ren in Rise of Skywalker. I didn't really want him to die. I wanted him to be redeemed, obviously, and I wanted him to atone for his actions. I did too. I, I and just, the fact I just, this book kind of almost sets it up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it just, it, if he would have just exiled himself, it mm-hmm. I feel like that would have made so much more sense than him dying. Yeah, I was also very like pro Ben living, and I know a lot of people are like, Oh, well, is he just gonna go back to the resistance? I was like, No, he's oh. gonna exile himself and he's gonna mm-hmm. figure out how he will personally atone for all he did, and then maybe when he feels ready he can go back to to Ray. And mm-hmm. I always thought, you know, Ray might know where he is. Ray might help, could help to guide him, but also like yeah. you have the potential of Force Ghost Luke helping to guide him, almost like uh, Force Ghost Obi-Wan guided Luke in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, or even, you know, now that we've been introduced, other Jedi, Anakin, yeah. Obi Wan. Can you imagine Anakin had... helping? No, or that would the... be, oh, that Anakin so helping, good. or or Obi Wan, who he's named after. Yeah. He's named after Ben, and having you know your namesake, and and especially given what we learned in Kenobi, you know, like not on a how smaller much he scale, helps like, Leia, mm-hmm. how much he helps Leia, and then also on the on the smaller scale, how like you know Kenobi ran away. He chose not to do anything in this time of like need. Um, I don't know. I also was very pro that, and I feel like if that had happened this book would have been a really great setup for that given the relationship especially between Luke and her Mm -hmm. but yeah Komat I really liked her me too I think she's quite nice um the way she was described Komat 
I'm I'm free on Thursday. No, I literally if have it written down it, in my I'll notes. I'll call you. I have coma- a little bit of a milf. Even she's not a mom, but milf vibes. Yeah. I have written down in my notes from the first moment that she was described, Comat sounds hot. Yeah. So I mean... <laughs> And then they gave her a lightsaber. So like, come on, they, they a white lightsaber at that. Yeah, she has a funky little outfit. Yeah, yeah. Which again, I she she's described giving it to Lando at the end of the book. So like, is this? I literally once I finished the book, I looked this up. Is the is the stuff he's wearing in Rise of Skywalker her armor? I think the mask was. That's what I. I know think for a fact the was, mask was. Um, after yeah. Skywalker, I have no idea. Yeah, I I need to rewatch Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. What a perfect opportunity for next week's episode. <laughs> so true. <laughs> oh, that was so per. That was such perfect timing. Wow, we're I so know. powerful. We're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah, she was great. I liked I liked the droid too. I love mm-hmm. I love killer droids. Not like not <laughs> empire killer droids, but I like when droids are good and also violent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a good vibe. L three and and this droid very much fit into that vibe. So true. That's a quote to put on the t shirt. <laughs> but yeah, verdict on Colmat. She's fucking awesome. What else can you say about that? Three thumbs up for Comat. <laughs> we love women. Yay, women. That's true. <laughs> Even though Hay seems misogynistic sometimes with her favorite characters, we promise you she is pro-women. She, she's a woman herself. It's true. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm a legends misogynist. Canonically, I'm not a misogynist. <laughs> Hasn't been recanonized yet. <laughs> My friends are gonna have a field day with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on to our <laughs> final. <laughs> pleasure of reading about Audrey Audrey look at my chest hurts I hate that man <laughs> silly little guy not really. silly little abusive well he is little he is really as short canonically very little I like how everyone is Pocket like well, he's, he's a fucked up looking guy like every single character <laughs> yeah. you know how like 
you know how the Falcon, every time anyone but Han and Lando sees it, they're like, that's a piece of junk. That's like Ochi. Every person who sees Ochi is like, that's a fucked up up guy. (laughs) There's one quote I tweeted about that Lando said earlier today. It was like, hold on, let me find it. I don't have it. I have too many tabs in my thing. Uh, He calls him ugly as hell and a nasty piece of work. So I think that's a good summation of Ochi so as, as a whole. <laughs> oh my god. Nasty. He always has the best one-liners, I swear to god. Like, so funny. That. He has beat his ass, Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! I can't believe that's a canon story. It's a canon line. Amazing. Thank you, Charles Soule. <laughs> I kick it over. Ochi is like one of those it's like he's literally one of those ugly looking like chihuahuas. <laughs> Where it's like it's like they're so ugly, but they're so mean and aggressive. And you're like, I could punt you, little bitch. What the fuck? What are you doing? That's like that's what he is. That's the exact energy he has. <laughs> also, why he talks? He talks to him. He refers to himself in third person, which is also what my three old neighbor does. So. <laughs> I'm I'm slandering Ochi. I'm sorry to Kels, but I I love how multiple times in this book he's like, I need a drink. I need a drink. And I, yeah. I know he's talking about alcohol, but like in my mind, I'm like, okay, so he's one of us bitches who needs three drinks on us at all times. <laughs> like one for fun, one for hydration, and one for warmth. That's Ochi. <laughs> Someone just give him a little, he just wants a little Capri Sun packet. Yeah. The juice packet. Maybe he he wouldn't abuse Dio if he just carried around Capri Sun packets for him. It's true. Or maybe if he stopped drinking diluted coolant, (laughs) he might be a little bit better in the head. So many problems could be solved in Star Wars if people just simply drank Capri Sun. Yeah. If you just drank a Pacific Cooler Capri Sun and calmed down a little bit, maybe we wouldn't all have all these fucking problems. Darth Vader, Palpatine. (laughs) Tarkin, <laughs> Ochi, <laughs> Kylo Ren. Maybe if Palpatine had had a uh, Capri Sun, he wouldn't have manipulated Anakin to the dark side and caused the fall of the galaxy as people knew it. So true. Maybe. Maybe. I am personally. If Rowe had a Capri Sun, he wouldn't have made the Starlight Beacon. <laughs> I personally am more of a cherry cooler kind of gal. I don't even know if they still make that flavor anymore. That Pacific one and the orange is the flavor. best flavor. Oh, okay, the orange flavor is pretty good. The orange also flavor. strawberry kiwi. Supreme. So Supreme. True. They don't even sell Capri Suns here, I don't think. We only have cool no. flavors. <laughs> that's devastating. That's you know, that's... no, you know, I I'll shoot think... you Capri Suns. Maybe okay, if Ochi drank Sunny D, he would be not Ochi. Yeah. Why did they describe rejuvenate his skin? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's just dehydrated. He's drinking so much alcohol, but you know why? He needs a drink all the time. Yeah. Yeah. He he, he keeps drinking alcohol. Man is dehydrated. Maybe he's hungover and dehydrated constantly. Maybe (laughs) if he just went to a Denny's and had a fucking breakfast plate. Maybe if he went to the 24 7 IHOP (laughs) off the Anaheim Convention Center. And had the he worst be, crepes you've ever eaten in your life, he would be a he better would be normal. person. <laughs> Why do they describe how thin his lips are so often in this book? 
or like the it's, thin snake tongue like it's what? like something that happens like I was like first time it's like okay yeah we're gonna we're gonna vibe of what he looks like but then every but no, person is it's like, like six times thin lips and I'm like, you do not have lips sir <laughs> what were you planning on kissing him that's not your concern <laughs> let us not forget Lando is canonically pan yeah so I could be who you but are he has, just don't but he has standards he has standards so he would never go for Ochi it's true Lando is still out of a droid on the other hand no if we had a nickel for every time Lando wanted to fuck a droid we'd have two nickels which isn't a lot but it's weird that it didn't happen more <laughs> times <laughs> Anyway, so true. <laughs> Adam Christopher and Ron Howard are sharing a brain. <laughs> Their brain cells are connected. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, I think Ochi drinking coolant because he didn't have any alcohol was so true of him. Good for him. <laughs> he just went, fuck it, we ball. Good for him. <laughs> So this book was my Joker for a lot of reasons, but it was mostly my Joker because of it, how much it referred to the comics. So here a reference. Yes. Yes. Here a reference. I no, there was here is back and better than ever, baby. <laughs> there was literally an entire part of a chapter where Ochi just like recaps the comics that are going on right now. And it's very, it's very, haha! I know what you're talking about. <laughs> he he literally just like recaps the War of the Bounty Hunters and him working for Vader in Vader 2020. And, and then there's another part. weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. And then he talks about the part where they go to Exegol and they, he freaking controls that giant Suma Verminoth thing. And then he like makes it go through the entrance to Exegol and then like, <laughs> he makes it fight Palpatine, but then Palpatine makes the Suma Verminoth like strangle itself with his arms. So that's one connection. We have Ochi basically recounting the first two arcs of Vader 2020 and the War of the Bounty Hunters crossover, as well as some of the Crimson Rain crossover, which we love that here. We love that in this uh, podcast. Uh, and then another thing I pointed out was, let me check my notes. Hmm. Uh, I can't read my notes. Oh, we got a mention of the Crimora Syndicate, which are just the biggest guys in the galaxy. So for background, there's five major crime families, quote unquote, that run most of the crime throughout the galaxy. And that is the Hutt Clan, Crimson Dawn, Black Sun, uh, the Pikes, and the Crimora Syndicate, which we have gotten absolutely nothing about the Crimora Syndicate other than they do stuff like they're literally mentioned in they're mentioned in the clone wars and they're mentioned in a bunch of the the bounty hunters in the war of the bounty hunters tie-ins but that is literally all we get we don't know who they are they're building something that's why they're building this something (gasps) hidden empire counting it now it's the crimora syndicate they're gonna be (laughs) the ones who take out crimson dawn oh Let's go let our girl Kira go, though, because Kira's yeah. gonna live. I'm I so re- scared. <laughs> <laughs> but I, hey. refused, I refuse to live in a world where Kira does not show up. Me too. No, the, but the Battle they, of Exegol. 
if they kill her in the comics that would be very dirty of them but i will i will go down to san francisco and i will burn (laughs) lucasfilm to the ground so true (laughs) so we also get (laughs) we also get a scarif reference which I pointed out for Emily. Emily's giving us a thumbs up. We love random Scarif references. (laughs) I live live for a Scarif name drop. (laughs) I think we forget that Scarif was like not just a place in Rogue One and like an actual place where they stored information. Like it was the biggest Imperial databank in the galaxy. Cause we're like, like, oh, the Death Star plans are there. It's like, yeah, along with like every single other thing we're working on. Um, and then, oh, another thing I pointed out is the Star Herald is owned by Lena Graff, who is in the Star Wars Tales uh, issue of the comics, mostly written by Kevin Scott, the Vader's and, Castle series. And the Graffs connect to the High Republic. That's true. I forgot about them. Yeah. But yeah, her ship is the one they use to go after Ochi. And not just the Lady Luck, which was also recanonized from Legends, even though DGO did not know he was recanonizing it from Legends. Um, I appreciated that reply very much. So that was true, kind of DGO. Yeah, good for him, truly. Uh, and then a lot of stuff about the Acolytes of the Beyond made me think about the Knights of Ren, which mm. I have spoken about them a little bit, but they are current. They are read at the time of this issue, or not issue god novel (laughs) by a very charismatic crispy man named ren i did not think you were gonna lead that with charismatic i we gotta keep it at least pg-13 we have already (laughs) talked about valve's titties (laughs) this is not pg okay i'll say it sexy crispy man named (laughs) We're, we're, an explicit rating. we're an explicit rating we're okay all right <laughs> so they're, led by, they're led by a crispy sexy man called ren who sees the force as a shadow which oh, oh. i was oh, talking true. to i was talking to ephraim at Gen Zennial on i think tiktok and twitter uh because he was one of the first people that i really started like talking with the comics about because he besides before i got live into them he was like the only one that really like read them as they came out and i was talking with him on our discord source discord server god and he said that the acolytes of the beyond were very knights of ren-esque and i absolutely agree with that 100 percent. they mm-hmm. they're awesome they're hot i mean what more could you want <laughs> R.I.P. my R.I.P. the Knights of Ren or the Rogue One crew theory. You are so good. <laughs> you are such a good theory. <laughs> um, anything else? Oh, one big um, one that I, I hate to... Oshi abusing Dio. He's so fucking mean to Dio. Yeah, no, like there's no reason for him so. to be. Yeah. Why is he abusing it? I don't know. I no, because like at multiple times he's like. Ah, Dio's okay. I'm glad I have him yeah. with me. And then he fucking like beats him. Puts with him. Like, what are you doing? And then he literally, yeah, he puts them him so he can't wake up for 13 plus years. And 
makes him and steps on him and hits him with sticks. I'm going to cry. <laughs> Dio doesn't deserve that. He's just he a little cat that. who wants to sleep in his papers. <laughs> he just wants to be helpful. And oh. you're so mean. I'm forcefully taking custody of Dio from him. <laughs> you know what? I am an Ochi enjoyer. I like him in Vader 2020, but that is unacceptable. So yeah. I... I <laughs> I like all of his actions up until the beginning of this book. So true. At least in yeah. canon, at least. Uh, but I think the last big thing that I wanted to uh, to bring up, this is my comics <laughs> notes, not my Shadow of the Sith notes, but where Luke's Jedi Temple is, Osis, 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 is actually the planet recanonized from Legends where his new Jedi Order was established. So cool. shout out to Adam Christopher for recanonizing. I think he also recanonized another planet, uh, Neftali, I believe. Neftali, one of those. Um, so yeah, he recanonized both of them. And it's nice to see them incorporating stuff from other media into mm -hmm. canon media. Um, well, I think, do we have any final thoughts on the novel Shadow of the Sith? I have one uh, oh, reference. Oh that doesn't even have to do with star wars but it just made me like leo dicaprio pointing meme um, <laughs> the, 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 big, the big cat thing on polar is named sekhmet which is one of the egyptian goddesses who has is she has like a, a lion head oh and I was like, whoa that's whoa. cool it's like are the egyptian goddesses a gods in star they're wars? canon <laughs> canon that's cool. egyptian mythology canon in star wars, in star wars? yeah i thought i recognized that name from somewhere but i was too lazy to look it up yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but my my classic this... brain was like <laughs> <laughs> the thing you're talking about the big cat is actually is it it's not a targon that's a spice yeah, i, I know no, I, uh... I thought that's what she said yeah, I thought it was. I couldn't remember if that was the same cat that, uh, or if it was like the same species that Jordana Sparksburn has in. I know I for a fact it it's the same species that Chancellor Lena So has. Her two little. Oh, that's where it is. Yeah. yeah. So, no, they're not the same, but that's what the High Republic connection that I was like, yeah. I swear I've heard of these in the High Republic, and that is it. Thank you. Shout out to the High Republic enjoyers. But is it is it a Targon? I. I know for a fact that Tar yeah, it is. Yeah, I it's like page. It's Targon. Okay, just making sure. Um, but yeah, oh. shout out to the Targons. We don't know how long they lived, so Sekhmet could just basically be one of Lena So's Targons renamed. Who knows? That'd be so cool. Um, <laughs> so I, I before we move or our kind of final question, uh, did this change your opinion on the Rise of Skywalker or the sequels more generally? I know that Hay and I are pretty big sequels enjoyers in general, mm -hmm. but. I, I think this definitely changes my perception of The Rise of Skywalker, because as Emily said, I am a sequels enjoyer. The sequels are my favorite trilogy. Cry about Same. it. Same. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's what's really interesting about the sequel trilogy is that it has both my favorite movies and my least favorite movies. However... <laughs> I think I have to reevaluate my least favorite movie because in the context of the shadow of the Sith, Ray's journey becomes so much, it becomes so much more clearer 
at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. Plus, we have, of course, the silly little guy, Ochi, and the legacy of her, of Dathan and Miramir's, her biological family sacrifice. But I don't know. I know for a fact that I do have to go and rewatch Rise of Skywalker again, which we will because mm-hmm. we're doing the episode on Rey. However, it doesn't change my opinion on the sequels because I, it, if anything, it only elevates my opinion of them because I still held the sequels v- very highly in general uh, beforehand. But this will definitely, it definitely shifted my perception of The Rise of Skywalker. And I'm not sure about the solid opinion on the movie, but I'll definitely have to go back and rewatch it. Yeah. But yeah, I, all in all, I, yeah. I completely agree because Rise of Skywalker is also my least favorite movie um but I feel like it filled in the blanks a lot because when if you just watch mm-hmm. Rise Skywalker you're like really Ray's parents just left her why would but they now you that? understand the, now you understand the choice why. that they had to make and it, they didn't want to do that they basically had to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I will definitely be going to rewatch Rise of Skywalker with a different outlook, I think. Yeah. I mean, I rank Rise of Skywalker higher than both of you, so... But I do think that this, like, definitely increased my enjoyment of it. Um, And also, like, I mean, every... Basically, every new piece of media or little bits that we get about Rey make me love her even more. So this book just made me love Rey even more than I already did, which is hard, because she's literally, like, my favorite character. But... I just, I love seeing the little kid versions of my favorite characters. Yeah. I love it. Like Baby Poe. I'm obsessed with Baby Poe. The little, the little pocket-sized holograms of him. He's so small. Ray was I love so, him. The way they described Ray in this book, she was so pocket-sized. They had yeah, around in her backpack. <laughs> Adorable. 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 Okay, with that, we can uh, go into Kessel Run Book Club. I feel like so, this episode was just one really long Kessel Run Book Club, but like in a good way. In a good way, but we have even more books and comics to talk about. So <laughs> I will kick it off to Liv and Hay first uh, to talk about Bounty Hunters this week. I'm that twiddling my I'm twiddling my fingers maliciously. <laughs> So for the release of this week, we had The Mandalorian, issue number one, which is the adaptation of Mandalorian into comic format. Again, one episode per issue. So there's going to be eight issues if you're interested in that. Um, what I can say- really talk about. It was just- It was, it was The Mandalorian on paper. What can yeah. I say? No, um, no, nothing added to it. So we don't yeah. really have to talk about it. <laughs> well, the star of the show, Bounty Hunter's three. So this issue is special for a lot of reasons, but <laughs> for one main reason, I'm guessing. For but... one main reason, however, it is really special because Ethan Sachs, the writer of Bounty Hunters and allegiance which i think we'll all be reading pretty soon is he confirmed on twitter that he he included one specific part of this issue for the valance fans that he follows and that makes me very teary-eyed 
Uh, I know we're just talking about Valance right now, but I promise I care about the rest of the issue. I promise. <laughs> I promise I do. So this issue was so good all around. Mm-hmm. I I love this kind of cast of fucked up little guys that he's collected. And we got the first five pages from either previews and he also posted a preview of the art of page six i think at celebration with shirtless tasu leech or should i say yasu yasu leech Leech. (laughs) he posted it at celebration as a celebration of celebration (laughs) (laughs) but there was a point where we hadn't seen anything past a certain page where I literally had to like put it down and I stopped reading for like 10 minutes because I didn't want to go on (laughs) because you guys were scaring me so bad. (laughs) And we got in this issue, we got Losha fighting Vukora because in the previous issues of Bounty Hunters, the the Bounty Hunters crew, the main one that's kind of headlining right now, um, they kidnapped Vukora from the unbroken clan uh what's it called the the stronghold on Corellia and this issue stressed me out so much yeah because Vukora is so scary (laughs) I turned the page and got just scared (laughs) the good kind of jump scare a good kind of jump scare but basically, directly after a page where Vukora... St- oh, spoilers for Bounty Hunters 25, by the way. We're past this. We're so <laughs> they, they know. <laughs> where directly after a fight with Vukora and Losha, as Vukora stabs Losha in the shoulder, we move directly into shirtless balance, getting his skin repaired at the Imperial Naval Base on Karita, which if you are either a Han Solo or balance enjoyer or both, you'll know that the Imperial Naval Base on Karita is where Han Solo went to train to become a TIE fighter pilot until he had a mind of his own and got kicked out and became a mud trooper. However, it's also the place where he met balance. Hello. and i think that this moment of not to look too deep into this but the droids building him up building him up and fixing him on the very place where he was broken in the first place is ouch hurts like a motherfucker but anyway he's what else can i say he's hot shirtless balanced Thank you, Ethan. I appreciated thank it very so much. much. I, I can't thank you. Bullying now. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Although I will not tolerate that fucking reply he gave me this morning. Oh my god. Yeah. I, I made a tweet about me needing Finn and Valance to meet because they're both defected Imperial stormtroopers. Well, one's Imperial, one's First Order, but you get what I'm trying to say. And then he replied and said that would mean they have to be alive within the same era, which God damn it! I can't. I can't. Emily is done with him. I I can't with you. (laughs) Why? (laughs) It's a very poignant 
observation. I need <laughs> I need mentor balance helping Finn. Not mentor balance helping Finn. No. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Finn needs to be so... a Jedi. He does not need some weird cyborg man. No, he should both. <laughs> So rude. I cannot so comprehend Valen's movement face. <laughs> not showing his face. You were showing his titties. You're just like, look at his face. Nipples. Right in my oh, face. There's none. There's no Oh, he does nipples. not have nipples. Why did they give him synth skin nipples? That's a very good question. Uh, Darth Vader has to answer for his crimes of not giving Valen's nipples. that's one thing that cannot be forgiven (laughs) oh my god i'm sweating (laughs) anyway if if, uh valance and finn me i will give you 20 dollars i cannot imagine that happening moving on (laughs) (laughs) We have commit Lieutenant Hayden. Oh my god, it's you. Lieutenant Hayden finding out that literally the only reason why Valance is still in the Imperial Army working for Vader, that the his family just vanished and there's no sign of them at the place they bombed. So she tells the cadet that tells her that that she has to keep it between them because he doesn't want to have to be the one to explain to Darth Vader why his prized enforcer suddenly defected again <laughs> and again again <laughs> and that that whole kind of interlude in interspersed with this very stressful moment on the Vermilion with the regular Bounty Hunters crew was very touching and I still appreciate it a lot. Thank you, Ethan. But <laughs> except not thank you, Ethan, because Zuckus's respirator it keeps getting cut hat. off. So if he dies, I have all okay. already you said don't my have to worry before. about that until Halcyon <laughs> Legacy 5. On my birthday. <laughs> on my birthday. I just don't believe they would kill him on your birthday, Liv. I don't believe I, that. I would have put it I past him, though. To, yeah. <laughs> I want to believe that he wouldn't do that, but I don't trust him. Yeah. So, I don't I will, trust that I will, man. I'll believe it for you. So one of us Thank is you. manifesting positive vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, the rest of this issue, there are no shirts. Ren doesn't have a shirt. Valance doesn't have a shirt. Ta- Yasu Leash doesn't have a shirt. There's just no shirts in this establishment. And, and you know predicted what? that. I did. Yeah. I did. It was that. very funny. I am a prophet. <laughs> so true. But just, just about, yeah, I was like, just about whether people will be wearing shirts or not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gift and a curse. But yeah, the so rest true. of the issue is just a bunch of sexy people fighting. That's all I can say. Um, overall, I love this issue. I don't know if you if you could tell, but it, I it holds yeah. it very close to my heart. 
I love the Knights of Ren and having them collab with the bounty hunters was I yeah. like call that a collab. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> collab as in to kill each other. <laughs> collab as in fight to the death. But I don't know. I still like their collab. I still like the issue a lot. And yeah. I'm still very mushy over Ethan including that for us. <laughs> and the rescue scene. But yeah. Anyways. Emily, what are you reading this week? Um, I finished Catalyst this week. Uh, I gave it three to five stars. It was fine. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't care much for the plots regarding, and this is going to sound bold because I feel like people are going to be like, that's the whole book, but I didn't care much for the plots of Galen describing his kyber crystal work, uh, anything with Tarkin, or Krennic building the Death Star with the Geonosians. I didn't care for it. Uh, I did love learning more about Lyra and Galen's relationship. They are very cute and sweet together. And I think that they balance each other really well. Um, I loved seeing more of Lyra and just seeing how much of Lyra Jin has in her. I loved seeing baby Jin. What a highlight. I posted that TikTok story and everyone, I was like, what are the green sticky notes? And everyone was like, Andor or Saad. I was like, well, first of all, Cassian isn't even in this book. It was all baby Jin. I think I marked every single time she showed up on the page. <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, I will take anything. I've, I'm like, I'll take any information about her. Um, and she was so cute and so great in this book. And Saw shows up, which is great. It was the so The perfect cool book. Him. The perfect book. Um, and we actually get to see them interact pre- him rescuing her and I think it actually builds their relationship in a cute way that like she already saw him as someone who was there to protect her and her family and like rescue them and as her friend and I think that adds both to then her initial trust of him in Rogue One and then also the ultimate betrayal of him leaving her behind because like not only did he rescue her once in uh like the beginning of Rogue One from you know uh that bunker but he rescued her and her family the first time um so he was always someone that was there for her until he wasn't um yeah so I liked it it was fine not nearly as good as Rebel Rising so (laughs) just putting that (laughs) out there uh and then I'm currently reading a book called The Duchess Deal, which is a historical romance where this guy basically is like, has a bunch of scars from Waterloo. And he's like, I'm, and like his like fiance kind of like rejected him. So he's like, I need a wife because I need an heir. I can't let my fortune. And um, the girl who made his previous fiance's wedding dress, she's a seamstress and she shows up in the wedding dress and is like, pay me please. And he's like, you're gonna actually I think we should you should be my new wife um so (laughs) so they get married and it's a marriage of convenience and the whole thing is like she he's just trying to have an heir so he's trying to like not really get connected but of course they slowly fall in love and it's very good so far I love a good historical romance (laughs) uh Bridgerton altered my brain chemistry (laughs) so I'll probably try to finish that tonight but very good just the kind of fun pick me up I needed after Catalyst 
Oh, yeah. And then this week, also kind of in Star Wars book news, we got an excerpt from The Princess and the Scoundrel, oh. which I did I did not read because I didn't want to spoil myself. So I just read some of the lines that people put up on Twitter. But Liv and Hay, if you would like to share your thoughts. Oh, my God. No, uh, this book is going to be my Joker. This is God. a terrible warning. I think we're all going to be so insufferable. Yeah. I am going to be in shambles in the month of August. Yeah. (laughs) Truly. God. None of us are making it out of August in one piece. No. No, Absolutely not. not. I I was going to make a balance joke, but I'm not going to. I'm refraining. Well, looking so forward to what it is. It was (laughs) <laughs> it was a joke about Valance ending in pieces, okay? <laughs> yeah. You're Just like, I hate when Sax makes those jokes, and then we here you are. interacting with him way too much. <laughs> How dare you? For what? <laughs> I did really like, the only part that I really saw the, for the, the scoundrel excerpt was basically like, oh yeah, we're gonna fuck tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I was like, so true, yes. Finally, finally an author who understands Han and Leia. The entire (laughs) excerpt was Leia like being kind of emo about like the war and her relation to Darth Vader and all that. And then at the end, it's like Han walks up and he's like, doop-de-doo. And Leia's like, we're fucking. He's (laughs) Like, look, there's a lot going on. My father was like the most evil woman in the galaxy. My father or my brother has somehow chosen to forgive him. But like, at least I have a cute boyfriend. <laughs> like, at least I'm getting dick tonight. I'm getting dick tonight and I'm getting <laughs> married. So pick and choose your problems, people. <laughs> oh, man. Good for her. <laughs> good for, so good for both for of them. <laughs> So, so happy. This book is going to be the end of me. All of us, truly. Truly. When that episode comes out and it's just incomprehensible screaming and crying, <laughs> we're sorry. Yeah. We're sorry, but also not. Yeah. <laughs> so looking forward a little bit in Star Wars release news, we have the YA book Padawan by Kirsten White coming out next yeah. Tuesday. Is it the 26th? Yes. Okay, so the 26th, Padawan comes out, and then for the comics coming out this week on July- Why did you look so panicked, Liv? (laughs) Because I have to read it. (laughs) We might be be talking with special guests about that book. No spoilers. No spoilers. Spoilers, you silly gooses. (laughs) Silly gooses. (laughs) Looking forward to comics releasing this Wednesday on July 20th, a.k.a. my mom's birthday. We have Darth Vader 25. Happy birthday to your mom. <laughs> everyone, everyone go ahead and wish my uh, mom a happy birthday. Yeah, go on, hop on Twitter. She stalks my Twitter, so she's going to see it. She'll see it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just go ahead and just go ahead and start a thread for happy birthday wishes. For happy birthday, mom. mom. <laughs> So we have Darth Vader number 25 coming out. 
Han Solo and Chewbacca number four, along with the Lula and Dean Pride variant. And then finally, saving this one for last, we have Star Wars number 25, which if you are not aware of what that issue is, it's basically a celebration of Charles Soule's Soul's, <laughs> contributions to the Star Wars universe. So a little bit of background on Charles Soule. He wrote the Darth Vader 2017 run, which is about 25 issues. He has written, I forget what else he's written. He's written a Rise ton of, of many Rise of Kylo the Ren. Po. The Poe comics, my um, everything. He also wrote, oh, he I didn't he write wrote, the High Republic comics, but he, he wrote, wrote the, he wrote a book. Light of the, Light Jedi. Of the Jedi. No, and he that, also did the comics too. I no, think. that was Cavan. Oh. Yeah. It was Cavan for that. I get I get Cavan and Charles confused sometimes. I'm sorry. Me too. <laughs> you think- they're both CS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then we have, I think he also did the first Lando miniseries, I believe. I'll have to double check on that, but. He actually, that's another thing I wanted to say. Sorry, going back to connections to other Star Wars projects, the Mask of Momin is mentioned in Shadow of the Sith, which is a callback to both the Lando comics, the 2016 series, and the Darth Vader comics, which is, he's basically like a spirit that lives inside a helmet, which is what they kind of explain in the book, but it's just a nice connection to the wider universe. Moving back into what this celebration issue is, basically Star Wars 25 is Charles Soule's 100th, issue of writing in star wars comics so he's doing uh kind of like a snippet or like a vignette from all of the major stories that he's written he's doing uh star wars darth vader poe and kylo ren kylo ren that's right and something special about the poe uh, vignette is that it's our very first piece of canon set after the rise of skywalker which if you know me i'm a big com- poe comics person it's it's gonna hurt like a bitch. It's a sad one though. It's, it's really so sad. sad. It's so sad. <laughs> but anyways, thank you for listening to this episode of Kessel Run Relay. You can follow us on our other social medias at Kessel Run Relay Pod on both Instagram and TikTok, and just Kessel Run Relay on Twitter. Uh, again, thank you for listening, and we hope oh. to see you again next week. Oh, go ahead. Also, uh, feel free to send us any questions that you may have uh for us either on our email which we'll leave in the description it's also on our link tree or uh you can also send them on twitter if that is easier for you yes exactly so yes thank you again for listening and we hope to see you again next week may the force be with you may the force be with you yeah. <laughs>